it is the rare daytime recording of Lockdown Guardians because we had an early game today. Uh, we had a huge release. There was a 13th rookie making their debut. And it's right now looking like, let's not jinx it, a, a series split with the Houston Astros, which is definitely something I will take. We'll get into the wild card. We'll get into the division. We'll get into it all, all on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Chef Ellis. Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you. So you never have a you never have to go to the dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of great cars. So since it's a tea time recording, I'm kind of keeping the camera angle a little lower because if I put it up, you know, the da- many downsides to recording in a basement. Uh, one of them is it looks kind of like the Ark of the Covenant behind me in terms of lighting uh, for all of you Indiana Jones fans out there. Right now, I'm trying to do, uh, I feel like I've been good luck to the Guardians this year when I'm recording. So in a chance to get a, uh, a split with the Astros, I decided, hey, let's hop on, do the ninth. For those who don't know me, I'm Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians, as I have been since this whole network began on the baseball side of things. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scouting 24-7. And before that, my main writing site was uh, Indians Prospect and Indians Baseball Insider. Used to do the Smoke single, smoke Singles? No. <laughs> I don't even want to know what type of single site that would be. I guess a smoking one. Smoke Signals podcast with Tony Lastoria over there uh, back in the day. And uh, still n- never heard from Andrew. But Andrew Zajac, if you ever listen, I can't remember the podcast we did. And then uh, Who's On First was a podcast I did with Taylor Blake Wards. I guess technically speaking, this is my... Third, no, fourth baseball podcast, fifth podcast overall. Uh, as we approach 800 episodes, I feel like I can call myself a veteran of this podcasting field, but I'm still learning. Uh, I adjusted and played with the mic for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes before recording today. Let me know how it sounds. I appreciate, uh, was it Bill? Bill. I, I, like I know you, William is what your YouTube is. Uh, William, who told me that there was some mic issues so I'm, I'm still trying to learn and grow. Again, I rely on the fans to give me ideas for what they want for content and just for how the show sounds. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Fran Mill today. That's, uh, for that, though, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Gardens your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. But yeah, we'll talk about Fran Mill. We'll get into it. How about, you know, I feel like we've been kind of on fire with the podcast when we're talking about why it made sense to promote Will Benson before he got promoted talking about Hunter Gaddis and how I hoped he'd be the call-up, and then he was. And this is a great time to promote old episodes. Go back in the vault. I mean, I spent a lot of time promoting it. Let's see, so far, here we are on the ninth. if you're curious. I'll, I'll complain in a second about the whole peacock of it all. Uh, Vasquez strikeout, Pena ground out, two outs now, very close to getting this away. How, you know, I'm going to go off topic. Class A. I guess I'll, I, it's unbelievable. What he has done this year is absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> and here's the thing. like I have no problems admitting when I get things wrong. So I would love to hear from people who thought that Class A was kind of cooked 
or thought that he wasn't going to work as a reliever. Like a lot of very smart people when he had his early season struggles. I mean, I talked about his struggles. I, I said, uh, I preach patience and man, does that seven year contract feel really good right now? Right. If you're a guardians fan, but yeah, I mean, he, he has just been otherworldly. Is he the best reliever in baseball? Honestly, I think you can make a case for it. Do you want him the last time he gave up an earned run? Let's go dig that one up. Uh, let's see. Earned run July 6th. And uh, I'm sorry, he did give one up. Of course, August 6th, he gave one up, uh, you know, very recently. But since he went a month between giving up runs, is more to the point. Uh, before that, you want another third time he gave up an earned run? We have to go all the way back to, and that one is, is that one earned? Yeah, it's an earned run. May 17th. So last three times he gave up an urban run, August 6th, July 6th, May 17th. What a performance. It's just, he is, I mean, it's just words. I know it's a podcast, so making sounds and saying words don't uh, describe is not exactly a good approach, but it is kind of amazing just how good he has been this year for the Cleveland Guardians. And uh, there we go. Strikeout swinging to end the game, I believe. <laughs> Emmanuel Classe. It, is it, you know, it, I, good friends with Bryce over at Locked On uh, Rangers. Let's, let's, Bryce is good people. He is a nice guy. Let's, let's give Rangers fans. And that's a funny thing. We can go back in time. And, you know, I tweeted out recently about the, the tweets the tweets about the trades for Clevenger and like look what they got and the trades for I'm laughing about the Lindor trade because I had people coming at me being like Andres isn't that good he didn't even deserve to be an all-star and I'm like that's quite the take Uh, a lot of Mets fans being like they wouldn't undo that trade sorry that was probably too loud but uh yeah they would I mean Carrasco's been great that's the one reason I was like maybe the Mets don't want to undo it (laughs) imagine if they could take that Lindor contract and invest it elsewhere I mean Andres has been amazing But everyone and their mother, myself included, you know, this is something I got wrong. We complained about the return on Kluber. We're like, okay, so they got a great, very interesting reliever and a bad fourth outfielder. And that's the thing. Go back to 2020. For everyone who wants to get rid of Miles Straw, remember when we had, like, Delano DeShields as a primary center fielder, Straw is fine. Um, But, yeah, it's that. that's one of those great trades. Yeah, they don't get them all right. One, we'll talk about the Bauer trade. I mean, that may not have worked out. Uh, But we will we'll go through it but yeah it's uh it was a what he has done he's been utterly amazing speaking of utterly amazing this was tristan mckenzie maybe his best start of the year like can we for all of his ups and downs and the home run pro nissa points i thought this could be a hard matchup uh eight innings two hits one walk eight strikeouts it was not hard uh he set him up and shut him up it was up and down easy Stephen Kwan with two hits and a walk reached base three times who else reached base twice in this one Oscar Gonzalez he has played quite well since his return from the DL who also reached base twice Luke uh, Maley it feels like the catchers wanted to sit back and let everyone know hey yeah no you don't need to trade for a catcher I thought it was interesting as I read the Paul Hoynes piece this morning about they thought multiple, the Guardians thought multiple times they had the framework for a trade for Sean Murphy, and then it just didn't come together. I, I would be curious to see, you know, what that framework was or if they revisit it or what's going on. 
I, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but it's interesting that they were that far down the road. And, you know, just to go back into the Bo Naylor of it, I believe in Bo Naylor. Bo Naylor is, I'm putting him in tier one prospects for me right now in this system. Am I? Yes. If he's not tier one, he's like, it, it's, you know, he's the borderline. It's, it's tier one is, is Williams, Espino, Valera, and Orocchio. And tier two is like him and Bybee and a few other guys. That, you know, I'd really have to sit down and make sure I have my complete list and not just talk off the top of my head. Yeah, I think you look at it, and you know he is that close to that tier, but it's still very few catchers catch a lot of games. Like you go through, someone released like Adelie Rushman just made the list of like the twenty-five best seasons for a rookie catcher, and remember how late he debuted. Like the number of rookie catchers who have caught like ninety games in a season and been effective is extremely low. So, yeah, I still think they'll probably revisit that one. Um, you know, the one disappointment. <laughs> for me in this weekend series like I get it but did we really need to pinch or pinch it for Stephen Kwan like I you know they went two and two he had that hit streak going like can't we just leave him in the game can he you know not not give him two at bats and then let the hit streak fall by the wayside I would have been curious to see if he could have kept it going if he had had two more at bats uh, does anyone else have that feeling, or is that just me? Is it just you know am I being ridiculous? Let me know what your thoughts are. We're gonna take our first break. We're gonna come back and talk. Fran Mill in segment three, if that's what you're waiting for. We talk about the rest of the series, including taking a quick look. Small complaint about the whole peacock of it all. And then we're going to talk about the uh, three games from this weekend on today's Lockdown Guardians. As you gear up for fall, you need the right... Let's not gear up for fall. I'm a teacher enjoying my summer. <laughs> but you still need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to help you find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. And I go and I look through LinkedIn. LinkedIn's actually, I, I connect to a lot of baseball people through LinkedIn. It's a really easy way to start making your connections in that grouping. And if you want to find you know, people for your job, you can create a free job in minutes and reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Go away, Windows 10, Windows 11. Okay. So let's talk about these games. So Hunter Gaddis becomes the 13th player to make his debut this year. He gets the call-up uh, with, was that the one where Ghost got shifted to the 40-man, uh, the 40-man, the 60-day disabled list? Good for Gaddis. He is here to stay. That kind of answers that question about, you know, he's a, a guy who we weren't sure about. Here's the thing about Hunter Gaddis. I had him on the show. Go check that out. Like, I, I got to ask him, like, this was, at the time, he was kind of a under-the-radar prospect. So, I mean, I asked him every question. Like, I asked him about my theories about fly ball versus ground ball rates. Like, if you want to, you've heard me talk about that idea, right? That why the Guardians prefer guys who have higher home run rates. I talked to Hunter Gaddis about that idea. I talk about my crazy theories. And Hunter listens very nicely and answers all of my questions. He is a bigger, he's just big. I mean, the guy's built like he could be a defensive end for the Browns. But he's a big dude fourth player in Georgia State school history to make their major league, to play in the majors. Just the fourth player. First guy ever to pay for Team USA from Georgia State. He has carried a lot of that program. And what stands out is the velocity bump 
and then the secondary offering. Like there is a lot of Eli Morgan in his profile, both the good and the bad. But he misses more bats. He has more velocity. You know, I'm not going to say he's not a starter, but I feel very strongly that he's a major league pitcher. And if it's not as a starter, he will excel in the pen. And, you know, that's that's where pen arms come from. You don't draft pen arms. You take starters who have two great pitches, and you go from there. And even if he does, I, I am, I think Hunter Gaddis can pay a decade. Potentially as a starter, but if not in the pen. I have full faith in that. Uh, adding him, Jake Jewell, you know, I talked about recently how the podcast has been on fire. I remember we were talking about underrated prospects, and I was like, oh, well, Jake Jewell's older, but he's performing super well. Well, they called him up and released Fran Mil Reyes. Again, we'll get into more of that on segment three. Interesting addition. Uh, I don't think we expected that. The thing is, Cody Morris needs to be added back to the 40-man roster this week. So Jake Jewell is up, is a depth arm, is a, you know, a he is the next Ian Gabbat, Anthony Castro. Remember that list? Because there's the whole new rules. You can only send guys up and down so many times, and then they have to be uh, passed through a waiver. So adding a guy temporarily because they have that temporary spot because they needed, you know, another arm allows them to add Jewel. Afterwards, if someone claims him, hey, you lost him. He is not the biggest loss. It's also rewards a guy who went and pitched his tail off for you all year in AAA and going out and trading for Ian Hamilton um, is, you know, that gives you the depth to also make that. Speaking of Ian Hamilton, I owe, uh, there is a great Twitter follow, uh, Andrew Kinsman. Uh, at Fever Dog, who knows uh, he knows the rules like better than anyone. At Fever Dog, Andrew Kinsman knows the rules. Uh, he's the one who found out for everyone that Fran Mill cannot be traded. If a team claims him, he just goes there. There can't be like an after the deadline. He let me know though, and I wanted to give him full credit that the reason Ian Hamilton uh, pitched for the Twins this year was the fact that he was a COVID replacement. So that's why he was up. So, yeah, he was a COVID replacement player. That is why he was up for that little bit and why there was no need to add him to the 40-man. Speaking of COVID stuff, uh, Friday we get to find out he's unvaccinated, right, or Thursday. That's when everything is going to go through. That is when we are going to get the information. And, I mean, Antonini has said there's going to be players who aren't going. There will be roster. We know 99 isn't vaccinated. Let's just be honest. We know that that is not his thing. There is no way. Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see who else. you know, I'm not going to sit here and guess who's vaccinated or not. Uh, I did see someone post that Jose did like a promo video about vaccination, so we'll have Jose. It's going to be interesting. I, you know, I also wonder about coaches because remember when they had to shut everything down because of coaches. So we will see. Uh, so Hunter Gaddis had a rough debut. I still believe in the kid. This is a hard, hard team to face. I mean, look at that lineup. Just go through. I mean, I have it in front of me. I mean, I know Guriel is having a down year. And, uh, you know, Bregman isn't quite as explosive as he's when he was an MVP type in the past. But still, Mancini batted fifth. Their rookie of the year candidate, Jeremy Pena, who has been awesome all year, was sixth. You know, the 7-8-9 in that game, that's only because Kyle Tucker wasn't playing. Uh, and neither was Christian Vasquez. It is a tough lineup. Third inning, the wheels came off. Major League debut, three in the third inning, seven hits, eight earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, gave up two home runs. Two home runs. Uh, this is... The short debut is part of the reason they needed Jake Jewell. They needed another depth arm. Henches, two and two-thirds, one hit, one strikeout. Good on him. Shaw, I know I bag on Shaw, but the one inning, 
two hits, got the strikeout. I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't give up a run. And Eniel, four innings, one or four innings, two hit, two innings, four hits. Let's get it right. One earned run continues to be a solid part of that team. We're not going to do all the nitty gritties of it. I will do the three stars. They did a lot of pinch hitting in this one. Luke Maley had a multi-hit game. He gets a star. Sam Henches for the two and two-thirds innings. He gets a star. And then, you know, I kind of debate who would be the third star in this one. Part of me leans Rosario. Part of me, just because of the home run. You know, this is the 93 loss where, I mean, they gave up a ton of hits. It, it didn't go well for Gaddis, and the wheels pretty much fell off from there. Uh, that And that's what makes the rest of this weekend so much fun, because they lost the first two games. And you're like, oh boy, how is this going to go? Well, it turns out great after this. I want to give it to him, Matt, for his ninth home run of the year, or seventh home run of the year. He didn't hit his first home run, so I believe Colorado. So that means he's hit seven home runs in like two months, basically. That's, you know, fascinating. Mancini had a pair both off of Gaddis in that one. I believe, I believe in Hunter Gaddis. I know he was already sent down. Uh, he, he's he's going to have a long career. So let's talk about the win. Four to one. You know, I said McKenzie maybe had his best start of the year. Quantrell might have had his best start of the year. Six innings, three hits, one walk, four strikeouts. And then, I mean, this might be your 7-8-9 setup. Trevor Steffen, one inning, one hit, one strikeout. 99 looks back, which makes his bullpen deadly if he is anywhere near where he used to be. One inning, two strikeouts. Class A, he gave up the run in the ninth in a non-save situation, but still. One inning, two hits, one earned run, also threw a wild pitch. Strong performance across the board. Quantrell gets one of your players of the game. And then just looking overall, it's like Jose had the one extra base hit and he had two hits. He would get a player of the game for me in this one. Part of me wants to give it to Naylor with his one hit just because he stole a base. It's not something we expect to see often. Uh, but going through, you would, uh, you know, Andres' leadoff was interesting and fun. He had two hits. Uh, Miles Straw had two hits at the bottom of the lineup. A lot of guys performed well. If I'm going, though, I, I think I give it to 99, just because I don't know if I've given one to him yet this year, and it was a great inning, and it is great to see him back and performing. I know I'm powering through these, but we want to make sure we have enough time to talk about Fran Mill at the end of the game today, and then today's game. So let's we're going to fully you know break this one apart and kind of do the box score bingo and all the things I traditionally do with one of these games. Uh, I was just you know, again, Tristan McKenzie is very easily your star in this one. He was, do we say, part of my initial thought was delightful, but he was just, you know, maybe dominant, go another way. And Cleveland in this game, you know, the box score of it all. Let's just start there. Let's have fun. They had one walk and three hits. So three opportunities would typically come up to be about a run, but three opportunities is very low, so it's not unusual to see zero. Cleveland managed eight hits and two walks. That's ten opportunities for them. Uh, the, you know, it, they had two extra base hits, which is as many as no, because the you know it's, they had one extra base hit the day before. I thought they had one in that, but they uh, it, again, it's interesting how the lineups put together um, with Christian Javier up there, the right-handed pitcher. I was kind of surprised that. So here's the thing. I would rather see one of the young left-handed bats playing in this one. Uh, I know, like, you, you know, you go through and Oscar had another good game and Naylor was great, but, okay, let's put Nolan Jones at first. Like, Owen Miller probably shouldn't be playing versus 
a right-handed hitter. He should be a left-handed platoon uh, bat. That's where he should excel, but we're not seeing him. I mean, we're barely seeing Jones over the past few games. We're barely seeing uh, Benson. How can they build up any type of rhythm? Like, one of them almost needs to go down uh, because right now they want Oscar to get all the at-bats, um, and it's, it means that they're not there's not a, a good balance and I just if Naylor's going to be your full-time DH keep one and have Jones or Benson play first base and platoon with Miller that just should be the way of it uh, but with those 10 opportunities you'd expect three runs they got one McKenzie class A both spectacular there are three stars in this one McKenzie I mean should I give them all three stars it's tempting uh, Stephen Kwan reaches base three times with two hits and again, you wonder if he doesn't get pinch hit for. Is his hitting streak continue? And Luke Maley with the one run on his home run, his first of the year. And that was enough to get him through. The Guardians split this series 56-52 and 52 against the Houston, uh, you know, well, not 56-52 overall. 2-2 two and two in this series against the Astros, which I will take. Stellar performances all around. Very, very good job uh, by the Guardians to do this, you know, to split this series. And then, again, it, you know, you got Bieber and McKenzie. It's like, what, spam and sane and pray for rain? A little bit before my time, but you're kind of that way. Bieber and McKenzie and hope there's a frenzy. I'm, I don't have it, but it's, you know, I am excited to take two in this series. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about Fran Mill because it is the very large elephant in the room when it comes to this past weekend in the Cleveland Guardians. Our second fantastic sponsor are the good friend folks over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to check all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, the, you know, traditional, so, lets people know we are back. Uh, I just did the quick check around baseball. The Guardians are currently with the Twins losing to Toronto right now. Uh, last I saw, they are a game and a half back uh, behind the Twins, and they are a game and a half back. Tampa and Seattle are technically tied for the last spot, but Baltimore's ahead of Cleveland. So there is that as well. Cleveland is further back in a way because there's more teams ahead of them. Uh, so we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, you were hoping, I mean, at least maybe I was hoping, I was hoping Toronto would, would get some from the Twins. I mean, Toronto's played pretty well this year, but of course, then they had to drop the first two to the Twins in that one. Um, I'm trying to think of the, oh, and I see some people complaining that, like, Justin McKenzie got pulled. Uh, that is 100% the right call. That Houston team is deadly. I wouldn't calculate it, by the way. 33 innings for Emmanuel Classe since uh, since May 17th. The last three times he's given up an earned run. That is a .083 ERA. He didn't give up a run in June. You go, you go get the elite, elite, maybe the best reliever in baseball, and you let him finish it off. Tristan uh, has always had some velocity fades as games go on. You're turning over lineups just naturally. It's the right call. Uh, yeah, maybe Tristan is fine, and he gets through the ninth. But, hey, why not rest your arm and let your, you know, the best reliever in baseball step in? So that was the right call Tito made. If you want to get, you know, uh, if you want to get picky on anything, the wrong call was in the previous inning where they let Owen uh, 
Owen Miller face the righty. You got two runners on base. Just go ahead and bring in Nolan Jones. I, I mean, first base defensively, <laughs> Miller isn't exactly a stud there. It's not like you're going to hurt yourself dropping to Benson or uh, Jones there. That would have been the only questionable call. Let's talk Fran Mill. So they decide to let him go. And this is, you know, I talked about on this very podcast, He, the Guardians never sell low. They love to buy low. I thought they would maybe try to keep him and see if he could rebound a bit. But to just completely let go a 26-year-old player who you know, has multiple years of team control, is a right-handed bat, and is a power hitter. This is a guy who, in his career, has had 37 and 30 home runs in complete years. Uh, and again, you know, he is just, let's see, he turned 27 in July. He, you know, he's in his prime with multiple years of team control. He's going to be arbitration eligible at the end of this year. You had two and a half more years, and to let that guy go speaks to me. There's more going on than what we know. Uh, that, that's just 100% how I see it, that he, you know, the, the situation for him, you know, there's some talk that the Guardians weren't happy, that, you know, he didn't seem to take the offseason seriously enough, that he was out kind of, you know, having fun and then he came to camp not in the best of shape and if you go back to 2021 they were unhappy with how he came to camp as well so that's two years in a row if you go back to 2020 uh the story was you know he went to like a uh right before you know the 2020 season of course was super delayed so he went back uh he was at like a cookout or a grill out or some kind of party and caught COVID and then that whole 2020 season that was kind of the talk that like he never got his strength all the way back uh, so that's we know how they felt about you know players not being careful right it, it certainly seemed to affect the speed at which they traded Clevenger and they see Fran Mill and you know I feel like they talked so highly about him and then he wasn't available to start that year and they're like you know he's not being careful he's not baseball isn't the focus and then 2021 happens, and he doesn't come to camp in shape, and he ends up you know, having the injury and missing about a month and then has to work himself into shape. And then it's fantastic once he does. Like, from June on, he's great. And then, you know, he promises he's going to, like, redevote himself. He's going to come back. He's going to be that guy. And then it's the same story as a year ago. He, he didn't put in the time, and then it just felt like he was pressing. And I don't, you know, we, we did the whole show recently. You can go back and listen. Uh, it's, it's very recently in your feed where I broke down. You know, he's walking more. He's facing more off-speed pitches. He's always been bad against breaking pitches. He has been even worse. But he's not even hitting fastballs, which he destroyed a year ago. Or, you know, sliders were something that he could hit. He's not hitting anything. So the feeling, general feeling I got talking to people is that he was just trying to mash his way out of the slump that he wasn't always listening necessarily to the what was you know the coaching that was trying to be done they were already frustrated with him and you know we I don't know what happened like if he asked to be traded when he was sent to AAA if he asked for his release if he was very grumpy down there or if they felt like there was some earlier you know I don't I'm not saying there were early reports I'm saying I don't know if they heard that he was very negative down there and they just decided to cut bait but for whatever reason, like, okay, we're not, this isn't worth the time. You know, he is, uh, he makes like four point something million this year, 4.2 million, and nobody goes down in arbitration. So he's going to make at least that. 
more than that. Everyone goes up, so it probably wouldn't be a ton more. But you're looking at guys who make more than four million. They have had three years in a row where they opened up, and he is not in. He was in good physical condition in 2020, but he took a risk, and then he got sick, and that affected his season. And then two straight years of coming to camp not in the shape that they expected him to come to. And I think they just had enough. And you can read between the lines. You can see what they're releasing to the media. This isn't me. Nothing was released to me. This isn't me being part of media and just regurgitating. But it's very clear when you look along those lines. It's, okay, 2020, we want everyone to be super careful. We have a manager who's, you know, uh, not the healthiest guy. And, again, think about the big deal. I mean, they they sent – Police act down to AAA. <laughs> you know, they, they had Clevenger away from the team for a bit. And Fran Mill kind of made a similar choice before camp started and got sick because he went to uh, you know, a party when you know, they were supposed to be, they were being super secure back then. And then two years of just not coming in shape. And he's a big dude who's getting closer to 30. Again, this should be his prime year. We shouldn't be worried about shape. But, uh, you know, go look at a, he's not Kevin Mitchell. They have different builds. But it's, the bigger guys sometimes have a harder time. I mean, I'm a bigger guy. <laughs> Look at the video. Uh, as you get older, we all know this. It's it's not as easy to keep it off and to to get it off and to, to rebuild. So I think they just got tired of it. And then I my gut guess is that he was, as one would expect, for a guy who many of us, myself included, said you get an extension this last offseason – that he is instead in the minors and having to deal with that, I don't think he was very happy. And I think they just kind of looked at it and thought, listen, if we hold on to him, then at the end of the year, we're either going to designate him for assignment because we're not going to go to arbitration with him uh, or we hope we can find a trade. But as they know, at the end of the year, remember like the Brad Hand situation where they let him pass through waivers rather than try to pay him a million bucks to see if anyone wanted him and no one wanted him. At the end of the year, it's a hard time while teams are kind of figuring things out to get a deal like that done. So I think they thought, you know, we're probably going to release him. So do we release him now? Do we release him in four months? Well, if he's there, he's blocking young kids, and he doesn't want to be there. If we release him, you know, he still gets his money. Maybe he gets a chance to play for someone. It's best for all sides. So at this point in time, it probably was. It was best for all sides. Maybe he gets a shot somewhere in the majors. I bet he does. Like He's an interesting power bat who, again, has been highly productive his first two years. Now there is no one left from the Bauer deal, and people want to point that out. Uh, Scott Moss was on the 40-man but couldn't stay healthy. Victor Nova is playing in independent baseball. Uh, Yasiel Puig never played professional baseball again after that. And, uh, you know, Logan Allen, we didn't have spin rate data. And I'm sure if we go and look at that now, we see that it's a non-moving fastball, so we didn't know any better. I loved the deal at the time because it was a right-handed power bat, which the team desperately needed, a quick-to-the-majors back-end lefty, and then an interesting lefty from a system that had a hard time developing pitchers who I thought could be at least a reliever. Now Moss just couldn't stay healthy. Allen, the fastball was straight. And two and a half years from Franmill. Now the thing is, two and a half of those years were good, right? You get the 2019 season, good. 2020, in spite of the, the issues, he was still productive. Just wasn't as much as we hoped. In 2021, he had good numbers. He got two and a half solid seasons. This year was not. Bauer was would have been a year and a half. And if you remember, leading into that trade deadline, he had had a disappointing season that year. I had been like, oh, I knew they should have traded him in the offseason because he'd been a Cy Young candidate the year before, a breakout year for him. That was the thing. For most of his career, Bauer was not the Trevor Bauer that we all got to see. I, like, I mean, I don't want to touch on too much Bauer. Let's just be honest. Uh, but 
most of his time in Cleveland, he was, you know, the fourth best pitcher on this team. He had that great year. Then he got hurt. Then he came back, and he wasn't quite the same guy. They traded him to Cincy, and he really picks it up down the stretch, though. Uh, and then he has the Cy Young year where we know he was cheating. Like, he was very honest about using foreign substances. So since he got a year and a half in a draft pick um, for him, that, that ends up being kind of your cost. Like, if he stays in Cleveland, you get an extra year and a half, and you get the draft pick. One can argue if that's worth more than two and a half years of Fran Mill and then everything else because the other guys really didn't do much. Is that, you know, and, and Yasiel and what that brought. They didn't make the playoffs that year. So, I mean, the hope was you were trying to upgrade two outfield spots. Now they finally upgraded the outfield spots. It just took a while longer. Uh, yeah, you know, that's it. One can look at that trade as a failure or success. Uh, it was a trade that needed to get done and it was an interesting trade at the time. But Fran Mill is gone. I wish him nothing but the best. Fran Mill is one of the best nicknames in baseball. He is a huge dude who is a lot of fun when he is on. And baseball is a better sport when Fran Mill Reyes is mashing. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked On Guardians podcast for today. Remember, rate and review, download daily. That helps. Subscribe on the YouTube. Let's get us up to that thousand. You know, that's, that's a big thing for me. Uh, and as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.